0: What we've got is a representation of God here. I'm going to be mankind for the morning, if that helps you at all. And this is how God always intended it to be, right? Except I told you last week that um, part of what God wanted to do in our lives was to heal us, which you'd have to ask the question, why would that be necessary if this was happening? Because there's a problem that happens between God God and mankind, and quite simply, it's this. I choose to do something wrong. My, my conscience says, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. I do it anyway. Somebody in authority says, don't do this. God says it, maybe a parent, maybe somebody else in authority says, don't do it. It's not right, and we do it anyway. God writes in our hearts things that we know are not good, and we do it anyway. And in the moment that we do it, something happens to us. We were with a perfect God, but now we're not perfect anymore. And as that imperfection sets in on us, a process starts happening. And I think sometimes we get the process wrong. We think... Some, because let's, let's, go, let's go back to the first time that sin entered the equation. We think God kicked him out of the garden, but that's not the first thing that happened. When mankind sinned, God came back into the garden to have a conversation with them. And where was mankind? Hiding in the dark. Yeah. God eventually put them out of the garden. But the reason that they were hiding in the dark is because that's exactly what sin does to us. It pushes us away from God. We think, oh, I should be as good as he is. We get jealous, we get angry, we get upset about his perfection, and it moves us away into the dark. And here's what's sad. We start to think that this is what God had in mind for normal. We're over here. God's over there. Let's bring up the other light. And we think this is what God always had in mind. And it is not. Because in between God and I, there's now a gap, a distance, a separation that was never desired, and it's a problem. In fact, if you pay attention in the scriptures, the whole of scriptures is about the story of a God who comes in pursuit of us to solve this problem, this gap, this distance, this separation. He can't tolerate it, and so he decides to do something about it, and so you have churches who talk about this, this, this process of overcoming this is called being saved, being rescued. You've heard about it in different ways. Churches talk about it in different ways. They'll, ha- they'll ask somebody to um, pray prayer to deal with this problem. Sometimes they'll ask you to come forward to an altar. Um, some of them have classes where you come and you confirm your beliefs. And after that, you follow up with baptisms. Some of them say, listen, I want you to follow Jesus And what they mean by that is, I want you to put your feet where Jesus put his feet. What he values, you value. The way he walks, you walk. Other people say, give your life to God. And you find all of these varying ways of talking about this problem because there's no blueprint for the conversation. I mean, you, you can't find an instance in scripture where somebody was having a conversation with Jesus and he led them in a prayer to accept him. Does it make it wrong? No, it doesn't. It's just a a different way of talking about this. And although there are different ways to talk about this separation, this gap between us and God, there are some things that all of them hold at their core to be true. In fact, I would go so far as to say this. Um, The five things that we're going to talk about here today are patently Christian. And I don't think you can count yourself as a follower of Jesus if you don't accept these five truths. These five truths about this problem between us and God. Let me give you an example. Here's the first one. Everybody has done something wrong. Everybody. In fact, it's pretty safe right now. Um, You could turn to your neighbor, just glance at your neighbor, and just just tell them, I know you did something wrong. Go ahead, do it, do it. Yeah. You nailed it. You got that right, right? And they probably said the same back to you. In fact, if it was a spouse, they probably just handed you a list, right? Oh, yeah? You want to start that? Here you go. Right? If somebody were to come and to argue to you that they had been perfect their whole life, would you buy it? Would you believe anything that they would say? Listen, there are people who act like they've been perfect. There are people who want to look like they've been perfect. They want to look like they've got it all together. But the truth is, we've all done something wrong. We've delivered words into somebody's life that caused harm. We told a lie to make ourselves look better. We bent the rules to favor us. We took stuff into our body or did stuff within our bodies that didn't honor and help other people. Listen, I think we make a huge misunderstanding with God's boundaries. I think sometimes we look at that and think, God wants us just to be moral people. He gave those boundaries. He gave those ideas of what was right and wrong. Because it brings harm to you, harm to others, and harm to your relationship with God. He's looking out for you when he brings that to you. And we think he's trying to just take our fun. And so we choose to do something wrong. And you know it, and I know it. Because you know you, and if you're being honest, you would understand that you've done something wrong. Now, there are some people out there who've decided they've never done anything wrong. And most of them get that by just simply saying God doesn't exist. If God doesn't exist, then I really don't have to worry about a standard of right and wrong. But there are a few others who think that they've pulled it off. But for the rest of us, you know I know I've done something wrong and that wrong has caused me to be imperfect and it's pushed me away from God. In fact, the scriptures say it as clearly as it can in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us have at one time or another done something wrong that stops us from being perfect, stops us from being in the presence of God, has pushed us away from God. It's, it's all of us. Now here's the problem. If that's true, I think it is, then this problem, this, this um, problem of us being separated from God, the scripture says this, that is going to lead to our death. Romans 6.23 says it as directly as possible. For the wages of sin is death. For the wages, what you earn because of the wrong that you did, what you get paid back for, is death. And it's not just physical death. Um, What the scripture's talking about here is what we choose to sin... Um, We end up separated from God in this life. And if we choose not to do something about this, to respond to this, then when we die, we still, this separation, this gap, this distance follows us into the next life. It's there too. That should make some sense right? The way I choose to live here follows me into the next life. Why would it be any different in that life? I'm becoming who I'm going to be there, right? So if I've decided I'm acceptable for me to be away from God, then I'm going to be apart from God forever. Apart from love, apart from hope, apart from peace. You're going to be separated from compassion, justice, forever. See, when when followers of Jesus talk about death, coming from sin, they're talking about a spiritual death that lasts for an eternity. And, And this is something that God's deeply concerned about. Now listen. Some people... Some people say, okay, there's, there's no God. I don't have to worry about that. Um, and, and they think, uh, I don't have to worry about this, the issue. Others accept, okay, there's a God, but I don't think this sin is a big deal. There's, there's actually, again, um, they would put them in the Christian camp. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think you can be in the Christian camp for you to say, This sin doesn't matter when I die. God's going to take care of it. Because here's the problem. My same imperfect being is going to go to that next life. And I'm still going to be repelled from God because of who I am. And if God doesn't force me to go over to him now, why would he force me to go over to him in the next life? He's not a God of force. He allows you. To make the choice that you want for your life here and there. And so we have this thing where, where some people have said it's not a big deal, but I, I think it is. I think the fact that we're not perfect leads to some serious problems. And so God says, okay, th- there's the first two things, right? But here's the third. If it's true that you've sinned and that your sin's going to lead to your death, then you need to repent. You need to say, I did it. I'm sorry. That's on me. And not just that, but I'm not going to do that anymore. Listen, if, if a friend um, kept harming you, kept on doing it, Would you say that person would end up having a relationship with you? Probably not. I mean, think of it this way. A family member comes into your home. They take your favorite shirt and destroy it. Now, you're not happy, I bet. And then they say, I'm sorry. And it sounds genuine. It sounds real. And you love that shirt, but you love them. And so you're like, okay, that's all right. It's okay. Until you realized they just walked outside with your second favorite shirt. And they destroyed that one. And as they're saying sorry to you about your second favorite shirt, they're reaching for your third favorite shirt. That's that's not sorry, right? Something's wrong with that picture. There's an essence of sorrow missing that doesn't make sense. And the same is true for us. I say, listen, this, this problem that exists happened because you chose to do something wrong. And if you want to return to the way I always wanted it to be, then you have got to say the truth. That's me. I did it. And you've also got to decide that I'm not going to keep doing it, that I'm going to choose to live differently. What? Why? Would it make sense that that's how it would work in all your other relationships, but that's not how it would work with God? It's how it works. You're sorry or you're not. Now what's fascinating in this conversation about repentance is sometimes I hear from people who say, I'd repent, right? But the thing I'd repent over is not a big deal. This is so small. Why is God concerned about this? I would understand if it was a big thing. But I haven't killed anybody. I haven't done anything. I haven't done a big thing wrong. Jesus was actually having a conversation with a group of people in Israel. And they had brought up to him this is in Luke chapter 13 they had brought up to him that some Galileans had been killed by some Romans in a really gruesome way. It's terrible. Um, and during their death, their blood of the Galileans got mixed with sacrifices from other animals to gods. And the Jewish people looked at that, and it was like horrific to them. And their conclusion was those people must have been horrible to die like that. And Jesus knows about this conversation, and so he enters into it. And this is what he says this is what he says in verse 2 of Luke 13. Do you think that those Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? He asked the question, he already knew their answer to. That's exactly what they thought. They died this way because they had some big sin in their lives. But the people listening were like, "But we have small ones. We're not we're not so bad." And because we're not so bad, we don't have a problem. And then Jesus says this in verse 3. I tell you no. It's not about the size. It's not about the thing that you did that was big or small or anything like that. He says this to them. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. You care about the size of it. I don't care what created this distance between you and God. What I care about is that you have to take responsibility for this problem. And if you won't, there's no chance that this is going to be repaired and healed. And if you minimize what you've done because it's just a small thing, no big deal, you've still discounted the fact that you're not perfect anymore and it's moved you away from God. That you're, that you're all the way out of it. Scriptures teach we believe. If you're gonna if you're gonna solve this, there's gonna have to be repentance. So far, we've all sinned. That sin leads to death, and you're gonna need to repent. And now here's the thing: Let's say I want to repent. I want to say I'm sorry. I did everything wrong. It still doesn't fix the fact that I'm not perfect. As soon as I do something wrong, I'm imperfect forever. I can't go back and erase that. I can't suddenly be perfect again so that I could be in the presence of a perfect God and not have problems. And so this is where another central idea comes in. Only Jesus can bridge this gap. Only Jesus can bridge this gap. Um, we see in Romans chapter 5 verse 8 it says this but God demonstrates his love for us then while we were still sinners Christ died for us He did something to fix our junk See he knew that that the what we had earned for our sin was death so he comes to us and he says okay I'm going to take your consequences I'm going to face what you have to face. I'm going to take your sin and I'm going to die. Because I'm perfect, because of who I am, I will will face death. And when I come back, I'll give you an opportunity to be forgiven for what you've done because I can beat death. You can't. If you die, death will hold you forever. And so he takes that away from us and he comes back and he says, listen, I'd like to offer you a gift. And this, my friends, is where some problems kick in. This is where some problems kick in. Because if you go back and you look at the process, I mean, the number of people who would say there is no God, there's no need to worry about this whole conversation in the first place, maybe 5% of the U.S. population, but, um, and maybe European population that's a little higher, but around the world, the number of people who believe that, very small. It's very small. The number of people who would believe that, you know what, sin's not that big of a deal. The wrong that I've done won't be a big deal when I get to heaven, when I face God, when I stand before God, not a big deal, very small. Now it gets a little bit bigger, the group of people get a little bit bigger when you get to this idea of repentance, because there are some people who go, yeah, I don't care if it's wrong, I want to keep doing it anyway. I'm not going to say I'm sorry for that, I'm going to keep going, But by far, the biggest group of people get stuck in the process right here. When God comes to them and says, I'd like to offer you a gift. And we say, what can I do to pay you back for that? And he says, nothing. It's a gift. You don't have anything to offer And that becomes a problem for us because we like to fix stuff on our own. So we go off and we work the problem. Is there any way that I can bridge this gap on my own? Is there any way for me to take care of this on my own? And I want to tell you right now, there are loads of people who are stuck trying to solve this on their own. In fact, um, I want to show you what it looks like. For a lot of people, what they decide is they know they sinned, they know they did wrong, it's not good, they feel bad about it, they'd like to repent, but they'd like to fix it on their own, and so they decide to go up the moral ladder, like I'm going to be more moral than everybody around me, and up they go, right? Right? In order to do this, you decide what the rules are that you can follow. And then you point out to everybody that you're following the rules and you're doing better than everybody else. The Pharisees did this in Jesus' day. And he would say this, "Your, Your choice to have better morals, I'm all for that. But your hearts are far from me. Because you're doing this to try to say, I've earned a position where you'll like me and I deserve to be with you now, but you made a fatal flaw because you needed to bridge the gap and instead you went up the ladder. And you did it so you could compare yourself to everybody that you were around and you claimed that because of your moral high horse, you're better off. And God says, no, you did not solve the problem. Some people go up the good deeds ladder like they assemble for themselves all kinds of good things. They help people in need. They give money. Listen, all of those things are great. Followers of Jesus do those things. But we don't do those things with a mistaken thought. That if we do it, we can then compare ourselves to those around us and say, hey, I must be one of the good ones. God must be okay with me. I just fixed this problem on my own. You made a mistake. You went up. You needed to cross the bridge. Some people do this by going up the spirituality ladder. Like they, they choose all kinds of things in their life that they can do. They have some spiritual like energy to it and it feels good and it feels engaging but the bottom line is just just quite simply that your sin was going to result in death and jesus came and took that and unless you respond to him and what he did all the spiritual rituals all the spiritual things that you do matter little they're worthless And yet, all over the world, all over our country, all over our own town, sometimes, even in our own community right here, we have people doing the spiritual rituals because they think that's what will make God happy with them. And if I can make God happy, then maybe I can return to the relationship that I had over there. But it's not how it works. Got all kinds of people going up. And the scriptures say this. In the same verse that talks about for the wages of sin is death, it says this. But the gift of God, it's a gift. You can't earn it. There's nothing you can do to pay back. In fact, here's, here, here's why people talk about giving your life to God. It just makes sense that you would give your life back to God in this position, but that doesn't pay him back by any means even close to it because you're not perfect and neither am I. And so it doesn't result and us being any better off for us to go up, up, up. It's only Jesus coming into that gap, taking that sin that caused this, bearing it in his death, and coming to you and offering you a gift that solves this problem. Now this verse goes on. I love this. It says that gift, and he's about to tell us what the gift is is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. It's eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. If there was ever one idea that has gotten super messed up in our world, it's the idea of eternal life. I mean, if we were to to do a poll right now, you were to start talking to the people around you the, the number of ideas that you would come up with for what it means to have eternal life, um, it'd be a lot. I, there are some people who are convinced it's like perfect retirement, right? You go there, you you don't have to work, and the weather's always nice, and good things happen, and it's it's fun, right? Perfect retirement. I... I I think we're gonna be learning all the time. I think we're gonna have work to do that's meaningful to us, am I right? I don't know, I'm just, I'm taking cues from what was, thinking about what might be. But there are groups around the world who think that you show up in heaven and there'll be 70 virgins there to greet you, right? There's all kinds of ideas about this. It's why I love that in John chapter 17, Jesus decides to clear this up for us. He's having a conversation, and he says, this is eternal life. He's about to define it. He's about to tell us what that thing is that we all long for. Now, now listen, this could have been interpreted, this idea of eternal life could have been interpreted this way. It could have very easily been interpreted, harmony with God now and forever, What should make sense should make some sense to you. That if I find harmony with God in this life, it will follow me into the next one. Because what I start here follows me here. And so he's talking to these people and says, listen, I want you to understand, there's a way for you to have this gift from God that gives you harmony with God here. And harmony with God forever. You'll have it forever. And then he defines it. I love this. Help if I can read. Okay. He says, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ with whom you sent. What's eternal life? It's knowing God through Jesus. Jesus. Listen, it doesn't discount the value of heaven. Heaven's a place where that gets to take place, where you recover that relationship and you fully are are involved with God. You're close to him. You get to know him. You get to understand him, and it will take an eternity to do that because of how rich and deep and vast God is. But that's the prize. The prize is knowing God. God. Which still brings us back to the question, though, right? Okay, Blair, I accept this. I accept that my sin caused this problem. I accept that I'm going to die. I desire to repent. I'm going to say I repent, and I'm going to accept the gift from Jesus, but it still doesn't make me perfect. Like, I'm in trouble here. How in the world can I recover this relationship with God to return to who I was always meant to be over there Because I'm not perfect, and I don't have a way to solve this. That is what the gift of Jesus does. See, we put on Jesus through that gift. We accept that he paid the price for us. And now when God looks over and sees us, listen, Still not perfect, but in Jesus, what he sees is somebody who is. Somebody who has the ability, because Jesus bridged this gap, to put myself back in relationship with God. To come back to what it was always meant to be. This is how it works. You accept the process and you clothe yourself in who Jesus is. And it opens up for you the relationship that you were always meant to have. Where God, he speaks to you. And I know that sounds weird, but he uses your conscience, right? And he pricks you on stuff. He uses the scriptures to give you insights and wisdom. You pray, you have a conversation, and this grows over time so that the stuff that happens in your heart is informed by a relationship that you have with God, that you were always intended to have and can never have on your own. It's this, it's this process. Thanks. He can head back down. Have you ever gone through that process yourself? Have you ever accepted that you've done something wrong? Like somewhere along the line in your life, you did some stuff that was wrong. And you've not felt peace between you and God. You've not felt peace between you and others. You've not felt peace for a long time. And part of the reason is because you haven't ever gotten to a place in your life where you said, I'm going I'm to repent. I'm going to say, sorry, this is on me. I did this. And the only thing I can do to overcome this, the only thing that I can do to overcome this is to take on Jesus, is to take that gift that he offered. He, he looked my sin right in the face. He buried it. And then he offered me the chance to cover me so that I could return to the relationship I was always meant to have. Listen, if you haven't done that, maybe today should be the day. Because if you're thinking that you're going to solve it by going up, you are, you are wasting your life chasing something that will never get you where you think it will. You're like, I, I'm trying to get to a place where God will like me. Here, you've missed this. God loves you. He loves you so much that Jesus came, paid the penalty, and is willing to offer you a gift if you'll just reach out and accept it. If you'll just put Jesus on. Here's what I'd like to ask you to do. I'd like you to ask you to just... Uh, Close your eyes and, and put your heads down if you would. Guys, could you bring the house lights up so I can see a little bit better? A little bit more. A little bit more, I'm still, that's, that's great. This morning, I just, I just want you to assess where you're at in life. Was I was I describing you? Did you understand that there's been some junk in your life that you've never dealt with? And it's time? I I hope you'll take just some moments right now just to tell God the truth. God, I, I sinned. I created this problem between you and me. I walked away. Tell them the truth. I know this is going to result in my death. I did it. I'm sorry. I don't want to do it anymore. And then just reach out and say, this gift that God God offers of allowing me to put Jesus on, that's what I want. I want to return to what God always had in mind if that's you this morning, I'd like you to have the courage just to raise your head and look me in the eye and say, I'm, I'm making that choice right now. I'm, I'm doing that for the very first time. And, and if, if we meet eyes, I'll say, yeah, I got you, and then you can put your head back down. But I want to know, yep, I got you. I want to know, if you're making this decision, Yeah, gotcha, thank you. Yep. Here's the thing. I think there are followers of Jesus who've gone through this process. Like you've you've accepted, you've put Jesus on and then somewhere along your journey you decided to do something wrong and then fix it on your own and you have been wrestling with that thing for a while now. And you've missed that you should have laid that at the feet of God, accepted forgiveness for it and been done with it, but it has been eating your life up. And this morning it's time to get back to that relationship that you were always meant for. And for you, this morning may just simply be a confession to God to say this junk that I've been storing up, I'm done with. I want to get back to the relationship I know I was meant for. Just tell him you're sorry. Tell me you're sorry for carrying it. Tell him you're sorry for thinking that you could fix it. And accept that forgiveness that love if that's you this morning would you would you look at me would you meet my eyes put your head down afterwards yep yeah i got you thanks yeah thanks man yeah Thanks. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Can we take the lights back down? I just want to pray for us. God, when I consider what you did on our behalf, like we, we caused the whole problem. We walked away from you. In our pride and arrogance, we wanted to do what we wanted to do. And you could have let us go forever, and instead, out of a deep love for us, you pursued. And God, today there are people responding to that love. And it's exciting. It's exciting because you did it all. You filled the gap. You created the bridge. All that's left for us to do is to put down our pride and say, I will not try to fix this on my own. I accept. We love you. God, this is something to celebrate, to be excited about. That you are a good God worthy to be praised. God, I ask that that would be in our hearts as we end this morning. That we would remember how good, how great, how incredible you are. And that we would lift our voices in praise of that. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you picked your head up and you looked at me today, If you can find somebody, somebody that you love, somebody who really cares for you, and tell them you did that today. Invite somebody else into that story. Don't just keep it to yourself. Say, hey, I made this commitment. I want you to know this about me. I think God will move you along in that journey by doing that. I hope you'll worship.